BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. presents Hancock and Kelly. Good Sunday morning. Happy Labor Day weekend. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2, where we take on the top issues of the week. On the right is John Hancock. Happy Labor Day. On the left, Michael Kelly. Happy Labor Day, everybody. And I'm Andy Banker. On the agenda this morning, from cracking down on temp tag abuse to solving the 911 dispatcher crisis, is St. Charles the anti-St. Louis actually coming up with solutions. President Biden, a.k.a. J.R. Beware, just one of the aliases he used for thousands of emails when he was vice president. It could spell trouble for him. Former President Donald Trump is on a major legal losing streak. And in our quote of the week, a top St. Louis restaurant disses Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy. Also, Missouri Democrats lower the voting age to 17 for the 2024 primaries. Can they do that? We begin with Republicans in St. Charles and St. Charles County taking on issues in ways that Democrats in the city of St. Louis will not. The mayor in St. Charles wants residents there to help crack down on people driving illegally with expired temp tags. We're asking people if you're behind a car with an expired temp tag, take your cell phone, take a picture of it, and we have an email address that they can send it to, and then we'll follow up on that. So then we can turn it into an administrative function instead of a police function. It will become a police function if people don't legally register their cars and get actual license plates. Also, like St. Louis City and St. Louis County, St. Charles County now faces a shortage of 911 dispatchers. Nearly 25% of its dispatch positions are vacant. St. Charles County will now spend more than a half million dollars to hire contract dispatchers from out of state for the next six months. The city of St. Louis has failed to address its chronic dispatcher shortage for at least three years with people waiting for 20 minutes or more on someone to answer their calls or being put on hold five, 10, 20 minutes or more. People have died waiting for help in St. Louis City and County. John, is one party better at local government than the other? Is that what we're talking about here? Yes, the answer is yes. The Republicans have figured this out. now. You know, on the dispatcher problem, that's a that's a great solution. It would work in the city of St. Louis. Over in Illinois, our friends in Illinois, they have cooperative agreements with adjacent counties or even distant counties to handle their overflow to ensure that no 9-11 call goes unanswered. So, yeah, this is good government. It's the right thing to do. Does the R or D by somebody's name really matter when it comes to these local issues? No, I think it really comes down to competency uh, at a local level. And... It's the broken windows theory, and that's where you're seeing St. Charles and a lot of these southern Illinois counties saying, hey, look, we've got a problem in the city of St. Louis. It's spreading throughout the region. The way that we're going to contain it is enforce low-level crimes to make it clear that if you come here to do the wrong things, you're going to jail. Uh, and it's just smart politics, and it's smart governance. The St. Louis City Jail is now at the top of the list for critics, pointing out the widespread failures of city government. Last week, inmates beat a prison guard and held him hostage. Two inmates have now died in the jail in the past two weeks. A member of the Civilian Oversight Board was arrested for trespassing at the jail Thursday night. The board has been demanding access 
to the jail, jail records, and surveillance video, but has been getting stonewalled. Board of Aldermen President Megan Green is now calling for the ouster of Jail Commissioner Jennifer Clemens Abdullah, who was handpicked for the job by Mayor Tashara Jones. The mayor campaigned heavily on the issue of jail reform, Michael Kelly. Yeah, and look, I've been extremely critical of the mayor because I feel like she's lacking in her ability to make this government run and to deliver on basic government services. But it's important that people remember, this was the primary issue that she ran on. She wanted to close the workhouse. She wanted to fix the jail problem. Now you get elected on that issue, and you come there and you have no solutions. It's further proof that this is all just smoke and mirrors. These folks can't run a government. And unfortunately, the mayor continues to hide. She refuses to answer questions about this. And fortunately, she's now starting to get criticism from our, her own side. Hopefully, we will get past this ridiculous mindset of trying to solve ridiculous issues and focus on doing basic government services and keeping people alive in jail. Uh, you weren't yeah. here last week. but I was gone. Yeah. We're told uh, in our news side, at Channel 2, from various sources, that this is a powder keg at the city jail. I mean, it could blow any time. It's overcrowded, it's understaffed, and it's day after day after day and nothing gets it's a It's fixed. a perfect little microcosm of the incompetence of City Hall in St. Louis. And... This is not, a, again, a difficult problem to solve. They got a workhouse sitting over there that they closed because the liberals wanted it closed. And now they've got an overcrowded jail where the locks don't work and people are dying over there. I mean, it's ridiculous incompetence. And, but, you know, the, ultimately, Tashara Jones isn't to blame here. It's the voters that put her there. And the voters know that these, I mean, certainly they've seen empirical evidence that these people cannot govern. These progressives cannot help. The city is declining. And unless and until the people that live in St. Louis City start voting for competent government, we're going to be stuck with this. What does it tell us when you have the progressive president of the Board of Aldermen, a female, like the mayor, a progressive female, they're running city government, but she's coming out and saying the mayor's handpicked jail commissioner has to go. Is that the well, beginning of something here? Maybe. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Megan Green ran on the same issue. She's been there for a while as well. I mean, it's one thing. That, to me, that seems like they're you know, getting off the boat before it sinks. Uh, and she's leaving the mayor all on her own. She was a part of the problem and continues to be a part of the problem today. If these folks bought a restaurant, everybody would have salmonella. I mean, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. St. Louis businesses are stepping up to fill the void left by elected leaders when it comes to public safety. St. Louis-based car rental giant Enterprise is at the top of the list when it comes to overhauling Metrolink train stations, installing gates at all 39 stops in Missouri and Illinois so that only passengers with tickets can get through to the train platforms. Enterprise is kicking in nearly $5 million toward the $52 million plan. Centene is giving $2 million, Edward Jones a million, followed by Express Scripts. Nestle Purina, Schnucks, BJC, Mercy, SSM, the St. Louis Police Foundation, plus St. Louis U, UMSL, and St. Louis Community Colleges. Michael, we've also got city neighborhoods taxing themselves to hire additional police officers. What does that tell us about the current state of the city and the passion of the residents and the businesses that want to keep it right? Unfortunately, we still have businesses in St. Louis that care about St. Louis and that are willing to expend this money. They shouldn't have to. This wouldn't be happening in Kansas City or Philadelphia or Tulsa. 
This is happening in St. Louis because of the incompetence of our leadership, and it's not because we're lacking money. God knows there's plenty of money there. I'm thankful that these companies are sitting up. But look, this is a big red flag to everybody. People are having to hire their own private police forces. We're having to go to, go to public companies to save us to run our government. This is just another spotlight of incompetence, and thankfully the business community is standing up. And maybe they put some of that money toward different political candidates that might do a better job running. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that that would make a difference. You know, and gosh, who knew you had to have a ticket to ride Metrolink? Uh, well, you're going to have to. Yeah, so. I mean, there's no, there's no gates. There's no. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Well, they're putting the gates here. Uh, they're they're going to put the gates in. Right. You know what's not going to happen to those gates? They're not going to be heavily used because nobody's riding Metrolink because there's a crime infestation in the city. It appears more and more likely that Missouri voters will have a say at least on a ballot measure to ease the state's total ban on abortion. Six new initiative petitions were filed with the Missouri Secretary of State's office in the past week. They would alter Missouri's ban by varying degrees from allowing abortion up to 12 weeks of pregnancy or only allowing exceptions for rape health of the mother, and fetal, fatal fetal abnormalities. John, when it comes to uh, abortion, people tend to look at the Republicans running Jefferson City much as they look at Democrats running the city of St. Louis, kind of stonewalling, standing in the way of what the people want. Yeah, well, ultimately, the people are going to dictate what the abortion policy is in Missouri, and that's as it should be. Should they get to be a ballot measure? Uh, sure. Uh, that's absolutely within their, you know, rights to do so and to petition the government. What I hope doesn't happen, the, the position of Missouri law right now is an extreme position. You cannot get an abortion if you've been raped or a victim of incest. Uh, that, no, 90 plus percent of the public opposes that. On the other side, a lot of extreme Dem Democrats want to have abortion on demand for any reason, uh, for any purpose, up until the day the child is born. That's not a popular position either. And so I hope, I hope whatever we end up voting on is a reasonable and restricted and limited access to abortion because I think that's where public opinion is on the issue and that's where the policy is going to wind up, I hope. You got a conservative secretary of state who handles things like ballot language and that's already getting tied up in courts the way he wants it to read for voters do you expect we'll ever get something on the ballot that is just right we'll continue to see the republicans play games uh to try to derail this let's not forget josh holly couldn't run fast enough to go sign a permanent ban john says that the majority of people have this stance of moderate policy well, 100% of the Republicans down in Jefferson City stand behind this draconian uh, policy. Unfortunately, this is how we're having to govern in the state of Missouri. We've got to let the crazy people go down and come up with the craziest stuff. And then we as citizens have to come up with money to put it to the ballot to make it more reasonable. People need to start paying attention to who they're electing in Jefferson City. This is not just a bunch of rural Republicans. It's happening right there in your suburbs in St. Charles and Jefferson County. I think in Missouri, uh, an illegal abortion uh, statute that allows for rape, incest, and the life of the mother. I actually think that would pass uh, the electorate in the state. Up next on Hancock and Kelly, Joe Biden, a.k.a. Robert L. Peters, and legal losses pile up for former President Trump. Listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. 
Former President Donald Trump's supporters in Georgia want to oust Democrat prosecutor Fonnie Willis, who plans to put Mr. Trump on trial next year. Georgia's Republican governor is now speaking out, not for Trump, but for Willis. In the state of Georgia, as long as I'm governor, we're going to follow the law and the Constitution, regardless of who it helps or harms politically. Well, Mr. Trump is seeking to delay his trials in the four separate criminal indictments he currently faces. His legal team wanted a federal case in Washington delayed until 2026. A judge denied that request, setting the trial for Mar March 4th, just six months from now. It's the day before the Super Tuesday Republican presidential primaries, for which Donald Trump is currently the front runner by a large margin. A judge in Georgia also ruled that the trial there and all related hearings can be televised and will be live streamed. That trial date has not been finalized. Michael, what motivation other than political is there to push all of these trials into the presidential campaign season? I mean, couldn't they wait if it wasn't po politics? Well, I don't know. If a mayor was out stealing money, um, should we wait until after the next mayoral election to deal with that? That's essentially the argument that Donald Trump has. Governor Kemp, Liz Cheney, Adam Kinzinger, these are folks that in modern days uh, are living profiles in courage. They're standing up for the rule of law and the Constitution. This isn't popular inside whatever nuttiness is going on inside the Republican Party. But ultimately, they're standing up for the principles that are right, because someday this shoe may be on the other foot. Now, I can't imagine we're ever going to have a Democratic president who's going to try to steal an election and raid the Capitol like we did. But fortunately, there are Republicans who still stand by our Constitution. Should these trials wait for Donald Trump? No. I mean, they, they need to go and proceed. Here's what just is mind-boggling to me. You've got a weak Democrat incumbent president who can barely put a sentence together. And we are hell-bent on nominating a guy who's under four indictments, 90 criminal counts, uh, is accused of a RICO violation, all of which may be frivolous. I don't think they are, but you, so let's make the case they're frivolous, okay? We're about to go nominate somebody who's going to have his entire summer tied up in criminal trials uh, against a, a, a doddering president that almost anybody could beat, except maybe the guy party. that's got four. I know it, and I, I don't know what's going to wake him up. I don't know who's going to wake him up, but they better wake up because otherwise we're going to squander this opportunity to win the presidency and do great harm to this country. House Republicans want access to thousands of emails President Joe Biden sent when he was vice president using multiple fake names. It's the latest twist in the investigation of his son, Hunter Biden, who is being looked at for alleged influence peddling using access to his then vice president dad to make millions of dollars for Biden family members from foreign businesses. The National Archives is blocking the release of about 5,400 emails Joe Biden sent as vice president under the names J.R. Beware, Robin Ware, and Robert L. Peters. A few emails that have been leaked already are tied to Hunter Biden's business dealings in Ukraine. How does all this smell to you? John Hancock. It doesn't smell good. I'll tell you what, it smells like the beach when the fish are dead out there. Laying on. Uh, it's not good. And, and they better release these emails. And if Joe Biden really was involved in some kind of a quid pro quo over there to benefit and uh, benefit his son, that is an impeachable offense. Now, we're not there yet. 
And, uh, you know, talk of impeachment, I think, is premature at that at this point. But they may it, launch an inquiry just to get at the email. Well, I, I'm all for getting to the facts here because it doesn't smell good. I am, what too. Let's, let's get the emails out. I mean, the fact that there's 5,400 emails from a sitting vice president that aren't being shared, that's problematic. That's Trumpian. Uh, these should be released immediately, and people should know. I personally think we're going to find out, just like everything else, that there's no substance behind these ridiculous accusations. But if there is going to be substance, it's likely in these 5,400 emails, and it should come out. Robert L. Peters is up to no good. That's what I J.R., beware. Yeah. <laughs> Still to come, our quote of the week. A St. Louis restaurant gives Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy the boot. Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy held a private fundraiser in St. Louis. It was supposed to be held at Olive and Oak, a top local eatery, but after publicly promoting the event, the Ramaswamy campaign had to move it to the Four Seasons downtown because Olive and Oak management had second thoughts. Our quote of the week is from an Olive and Oak social media post dissing Ramaswamy, saying, politically focused, publicly promoted events are difficult to manage. We decided to cancel in an attempt, clearly futile at this point, to avoid getting in the middle of politics. John, there was also an admission that Ramaswamy's politics are not in line with the staff and management of Olive and Oak, and that was a motivation here, too. But by not wanting to step into politics, they step right into politics. Well, yeah. So the, the private business has a right to take any business or deny any business they, they want. And so I don't quarrel with them there. However, it's stupid. It was a stupid... If if they've got such a liberal staff over there, they should have done a little bit of homework on the front end and said, nah, I'm sorry, we can't take that event. Once they take the event, now they've injected themselves into politics. They probably turned off a lot of their potential customers as well. Not a good look. Is this different from, say, a conservative bakery turning away same-sex couples for wedding cakes? No. That's been an issue. It seems silly to me. I think Olive and Oak made this a huge story. They tried to play it off like it was others. Look, I've not been there. I hear it's great food. Uh, but they're capitalists at the end of the day. They're running a business to make money. Um, I don't hold them responsible for anybody that comes into that restaurant. Uh, nor if, do I hold the Four Seasons responsible because they hosted the event for him. Uh, this is capitalism. You do business, you go out there, you put good food on the table. And, you know, if, if, like John said, you should have never sold it in the first place. But to make it a big story, they've put themselves in the spotlight. Missouri Democrats plan to allow 17-year-olds to vote in next year's presidential primary, but only if they'll be turning 18 before the 2024 general election in November. More than 50 years ago, the 26th and final amendment to the U.S. Constitution set the minimum voting age at 18. State lawmakers did away with presidential primaries in Missouri, but both Republicans and Democrats are now moving forward with plans for party-run primaries in 24. I guess this is legal, Michael, since it's not a state-run election? I mean, there is the 26th Amendment. Can a 17-year-old vote? Well, in theory, right, they're nominating somebody for who they're going to be able to vote when they're 18, so they're left out of the process. We often lament the fact that people don't participate in the primary. I understand the broader concept of what my party's trying to push. I don't know how it comes through an execution, though. Shenanigans or just a well, it, harmless way to encourage young it, people to What vote? I get a kick out of is you got the Democratic Party. They don't have two nickels to rub together in Missouri. And they're going to spend $300,000 to put on a primary because the party's got to pay for it. 
Uh, it's a ridiculous waste of money. They, they, they know who their nominee is going to be. It's going to be Joe Biden. And they ought, if they can raise 300 grand, they ought to be using that in the fall to try and get somebody elected. Is there going to be a Republican primary? I Who knows? Final thoughts are next. First, Bomberito.com drone fox over Midtown St. Louis at night. Oh, spectacular shot. I see the Musial Bridge sparkling in the distance over there to the left. Final thoughts, Michael? Well, happy Labor Day, St. Louis, and happy Labor Day to you, uh, the workers out there. You're what makes America great. If you have a job and you're out contributing to our society, this is your holiday. A special thank you to organized labor. They're less than 10% of the workforce in the country, but their advocacy works for every one of you, including if you sit in a boardroom. So celebrate labor, celebrate your work, enjoy your time off, but never forget about the men and women who take a percentage of their check every hour to advocate for workers that benefits all of us, whether or not you're in a union. John. Well, the newspaper says the city of St. Louis wants to bring a bunch of Afghans here. My Aunt Vanita used to crochet Afghans, and if they're looking for some, I could probably have, probably have some in the closet. Andy? <laughs> Is it okay for me to laugh at it? Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Fox News Sunday is next. What's the name of the uh, general manager for the soccer team? Oh, Lupenstoppel or whatever his name is. Remember, if it's Sunday in St. Louis, it's Hancock and Kelly on Fox 2, even on Labor Day weekend.